A game of rugby takes 80 minutes. That's 4,800 seconds. But it only takes one to win a scrum, to steal a line out, make a break and score a try. One second for a hero to become a legend, for one team to become champions. And it's their line-out that creates the opportunities to score their tries, and that's exactly what happened. He goes wide, and he finds a winger. Oiderman, he's faster than a bald man's haircut. Oiderman, and he gets the try. What a heartbreaker. Welcome to MLR Kickoff, episode 76, with your hosts, Dan Power and Pete Steinberg. A very warm welcome, folks. Episode 76, and it is a big one, big news rattling through the MLR chambers today. The Dallas Jackals, we will not see them in 2021. Instead, the anticipation, got you there, a little Rocky Horror Picture Show reference, builds to 2022. Dan Powell with you, joined, as always, by the professor himself, Pete Steinberg. Pete, sad news to kick off the show with the Jackals not uh, joining us in 2021, but a bright future in Dallas is still on the horizon. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's, um, I mean, I, I wouldn't say it's not surprising. I mean, I think this is a surprise because we're so close to the start of the league, but you know, you can understand that actually just running a league in the middle of a pandemic is hard. Setting up a um, expansion franchise to run for the first time is probably an order of magnitude harder. I think they probably did their best to try and meet some of the deadlines that the league has. Um, I understand George Killebrew has been um, working with Dallas on this decision. Uh, and, you know, Dallas is an important um, market for the league. I think that they've got, you know, great capability and experienced staff down there. So I think Dallas is going to be successful in the long term, but obviously for the Jackal fans, disappointing for 2021. Yeah, fans and players alike, I think. Obviously, prep individually quite uh, quite a ways along for the players getting ready for the season. So um, there, there will be news coming out in the next few days on what will happen to the Jackals players. So I'm sure most of them will find another home for 2021 before returning in 2022, Pete. Yeah, but, and, uh, and, yeah and, and that's right, Dan. And we should just remind everyone that, you know, the way MLR works is the players are contracted with the league. They're not contracted with the individual team. So those players still have MLR contracts. Um, I think MLR will, you know, as they've shown throughout their history, they've, they've always done, you know, like last year, they... When the season got cancelled, they played the players out. I think, you, you know, you're right. There'll be opportunities for these players to play somewhere in 2021, just, just not in Dallas. Yeah, don't worry, Texas fans, you still have two other teams. So There's still <laughs> yeah. plenty of rugby well, in Texas. You know if you're a Jackal fan, like, like you're not going to support you're, – you're not going to support Austin. Right? You're or, not going to support – Or Houston or just yeah, Austin. You're going to be like, I'm going to take a team – from like the east coast or the west coast i'm not going to support another texas team that's that those are like you know we were wondering what was going to happen with the texas cup that, those are rivalries that are too close those jackal fans you know jump on jump on the free jacks free jacks are exciting team jump on you know um you know san diego they've got some you know there's lots of the, seattle there's lots of interesting teams you can jump on but let's not 
let's not sell your soul by supporting another Texas team. Well, I got an idea. Here's what you do. Jackals fan, you can make this an event. Get a virtual lottery yourself. Get every player on the roster, throw them into a hat. Everyone picks out a player's name out of the hat. Wherever they go, you support that Dallas player at that team for 2021. Oh, that's actually, that's a that's a pretty interesting way of doing it. Yeah. Yep. I, that, man, I'm, I'm like, I, I would say if you're going to do it, that's as, that's as good a way as any. And it gets you to support like a player that you've been following. So I'm, I'm, every now and then, Dan, every now and then you come up with a good idea. It, it is rare. You just got to make, like, like, like just, let's capture this moment. Okay, good. It's captured. Got it. I feel good. good one, yeah. I feel good. You know what else feels good? The fact that tonight's banner was brought to you by shopmlr.com and that's powered by the rugby shop. Our great friends at the rugby shop. And I don't know if you saw today, they're doing some specials as well. Those specials continuing after Christmas into January. So get on there and get, uh, well, don't get your Dallas Jackals jersey. Get someone else. Or, or maybe, or maybe do, right? It'll, 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 you know, it could be a collector's item uh. 20 good. yeah it's a good like point years from now who who has a dallas jackal 20 2021 jersey right it's gonna be different next year they're gonna be probably limited limit limited items so you know. will it hit the value of the mickey mantle rookie card you know the most valuable baseball card in history can it hit that same value who knows no, the Conor no, it actually card. can't hit that same value but it could still be valuable <laughs> well pete we we have a massive show we're going to continue with our previews round one big matchup coming up in rugby atl hosting uh rugby united new york the rooney roosters taking on the rattlesnakes down there so we have four people joining us tonight four special guests so let's not stand on ceremony much longer and get them going we're going to start with a good friend of yours uh the man who learned everything from you your former player now one of the greatest coaches uh, in domestic rugby in the US. I'm talking about the hard man, the stoic one, the man of stone, Scott Lawrence. Well, Scott, thank you so much for joining us on MLR Kickoff. Yeah, happy to be here, guys. So let, let's talk a little bit about last season. Obviously a truncated season. Um, you won your first two games. In fact, I thought the win against NOLA in NOLA was really one of the standout performances of the shortened season. But then a couple of close games um, came across Toronto um, in, in top form. What did you learn from your first season that you're going to take into this season? I think the first thing we learned was how underprepared we were. Uh, we knew as an expansion team, we had uh, 24 first year pros uh, in our roster. And uh, we knew that physically it would be difficult for us to make it through the entire season. Uh, and we needed to rotate the roster. I think those rotations uh, hurt us in the first five games in terms of uh, just building cohesion in the squad. Um, so it was a little bit of a blessing in disguise is, you know, we got to go two and three. Uh, we learned a lot of lessons and we didn't have to suffer through two and 14. Uh, right. to them all. Um, and, uh, and we've gone away and those young players have gotten nine months of, uh, you know, pretty intense physical conditioning and, and, you know, getting them more robust for next season. I, I think that's the first thing. I think uh, the second thing, that we learned was, you know, just to kind of take our hands off the wheel a little bit uh, in terms of the players, uh, in terms of working more at the level of intention with them and involving them more in the process. We had 
so much to do to get ready for the season that uh, we ultimately, as you and I have talked about the leadership space, Pete, you know, we kind of, right. We consume the leadership space if we will for, for that time period. And we kind of saw ourselves, you know, you know, gradually sharing that leadership space over time, but um, we just never got there. You know, I think it's interesting because you have um, two very distinct, or at least you did in the first year, two very distinct styles. On, a, on attack, you want to play with a lot of speed. And on defense, you have a very physical kind of um, uh, pressure defense, right? You get up in, in team spaces. Those often don't complement each other very well in terms of like the, the physique of the player. How are you balancing that? And how do you think you might evolve those two approaches um, into the coming season? Physicality comes from accuracy. I think a lot of, you know, when, when you're a big team, it's easy to be physical because you can be inaccurate and still win some of right. those contests. I, we're still going to play fast. Uh, we're still going to move the ball. We're going to be a ball movement team this year. Our physicality has come from really working a lot on the accuracy of our contact. Uh, I think, you know, a lot of teams will shy away from contact during the week. Uh, we don't. Uh, we think that, uh, you know, if you, if you put pressure on them, uh, that they'll develop that accuracy. And it's like shooting at a target. If you wait until game day to shoot, you, you, you know, you're not going to be as accurate. So um, we just, uh, we do a lot of it. Um, is that something that you're focused on a lot? Because there's a lot of, you know, Dan's not on, on, on with us right now, so I can get a little nerdy, right? So there's a lot of like footwork and body position stuff that's required in that contact. An extended off season gives you a chance to kind of embed some of those mechanics into the players. Has that been one of the things that you guys have focused on um, with this nine months? It, it has been. I think uh, a couple of things that we've really worked on is one, just worked on, uh, their focus and their eye-hand coordination in terms of their accuracy, that has a lot to do uh, with uh, with their contact accuracy. Peripheral vision, we continue to work on uh, just to give them a little bit more awareness. And that gets them balanced because they just see things coming earlier uh, in, in the movement. Um, and then we looked a lot at uh, our core strengthening and and uh, the mobility around our hips uh, this year that allows us to get into those strong positions and um, be able to take tension at contact time. Yeah, there's some stuff here that I would really like to dive into a little deeper, but it's probably not the MLR kickoff around, like it's so important, hip mobility, ankle mobility, right? All of that kind of stuff's important yeah. to be in a strong position and be low in contact. Yeah. And it's something that people really don't work on. So. So yeah. good stuff, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to pull myself back, even though Dan's not here. So, so you talked about the inexperience of the group, 24 brand new pros. Um, what have you, like, how did you think about building the squad for year two? Like, you know, were there particular areas that you identified or was it based on players that you could find? Talk a little bit about the thought process through that. I think we had plenty of opportunities to, uh, to play unstructured play um, in, in last season. And we weren't able to take advantage of that. And I think that would came from the mindset of our players, uh, where they came from the, the programs that they came from. And, uh, so they, we played very structured at times when we didn't need to, there were counterattack opportunities or broken play opportunities that we just didn't take. We kind of kicked the ball away and we're, we're more conservative around that. So we knew we had to pick up a couple of heads up players in the, in the back line. Uh, I think that that was key. We also knew that in the kind of the lock six area, 
that we needed to increase our mobility there. Uh, you know, that connection between the backs and forwards was exploited on us a little bit last year. Uh, so we'll look to fix that up uh, this year. So when we did that, we went off and we found like a Batu Azkura, uh, who's, uh, you know, he's got a ton of X factor. He's a go forward player. Uh, you know, Adrian Carlissa, uh, again, another guy kind of can beat you in a phone booth with his feet. Uh, you know, we, we like him and, uh, and we're going to add some more pieces to the, to the back line and to the back row. So, you know, I think one of the, um, interesting things when you talk about unstructured play, it's probably like one of the weakest parts of major league rugby, right? It's sort of like the transitions from attack to defense, things aren't exploited. We saw that a little bit with the Eagles last year was, we're, we're just not very good as a nation right now playing in that unstructured way. When you think about the preseason, how do you, as a coach, sort of build your structures of play that you want, but still allow the players the freedom to play like the heads up stuff, both on attack and defense, right? So defense transition is also really hard and requires a lot of sort of um, intuitive decision-making. Yeah, well, I, I'm probably, in terms of coaching chops, I'm probably pretty far down the list with the MLR coaches that are in now. So I'm not saying what we're doing is right, but what I will say is that for us, it's play games that increase those experiences. So give them the experiences around unstructured. As a coaching staff, we just try and focus on a couple of key things at this point. The first thing is, is are we using the language that is indigenous to our tribe? Uh, and, you know, are we, are we using, are we communicating with each other in the best way? And then the second thing is, is not to punish mistakes, but to reward uh, the reaction to those mistakes. So we're okay with a drop ball. We're okay with something on the floor. Uh, it's how, what reaction happens after that, uh, that we're, that we're hardest on and we have the highest standards around. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's, it's, it's, it's the hardest thing to do as a coach and especially, you know, people think about major league rugby being in a professional environment and you think you have lots of extra time. That's actually not too true. I think most like amateur teams probably train more during the week because they train four hours yeah. more than professional teams because recovery is such an, an important part. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, it's interesting to see that, like, I love the games and play through the mistakes, right? That's one of the, yeah. you know, if there's a, a tip for a coach that's listening, when the ball drops, don't blow the whistle, let them keep playing. Yeah. Um, I think that's one of the challenges that we have. Let's, let's, I want to go back to the players because I think one of the interesting things that Atlanta are doing is that you've got some of these overseas players, you're coming in with experience, but you're also mining the talent of the, of, of the young Americans. You have your 404 program, giving them game experience. Who are some players that we should look out for that maybe are in that like early tw 20s Americans came through the college system and, and you know, might be making an impact? in this coming season that you would like to see step up, I guess. Uh, Billy Halu, uh, I think is, uh, you, you won't recognize him from last year when you see him this year. He's, uh, you know, he's, he's a full on man now. And, uh, you know, I, I expect big things from him. Uh, another pro that's been around a little while, but did come to join us in the 404 and then eventually became contract with Jason Dam out of uh, Clemson. Uh, again, he's he's just kind of grown leaps and bounds. Um, the guys that we're excited about, that we know that are projects, are Mike Monterazzo, uh, who we you know we drafted on Notre Dame. We like Mike a lot. He looks like an international player. Uh, he moves like one. 
uh, you know, when we got all of the guys in the draft on film, um, you know, we all sat up straight in our chair when he did his, you know, his biomechanic screening, we said, well, holy cow. Um, you know, so he's, he looks good. Uh, we've got um, Jalen Tatum, who's really interesting. So Jalen is out of Kennesaw State University. He is a true pathway player. Uh, he, he started, you know, coming to our academy two nights a week outside of his time at Kennesaw State. Uh, he's a, you know, 6'4", 230-pound wing that you just can't find, you know, with that right. kind of <laughs> athletic ability. And, and uh, he's got tremendous upside. We, you know, we kind of convert him from a back row to wing. And then we were doing some kicking with him the other day. And I looked over and I said, I thought, oh, is he left-footed? And he's not. He's right-footed. He picked up the neck <laughs> off his left. So, yeah. So just just a real natural talent, right? And I think that yeah. the challenge as a as a coach, especially when you go through the season, is how do you develop a kid like that? You're going to have to make some trade-offs, right? Because at some point he's going to need time when he's not ready because he's not going to be ready until he has time, right? Yeah. So you just got to find the right matchup for him to really be able to like show what he can do. Yeah, it's kind of like having kids. You're never really ready. They just, you know, you get thrown into it and figure it out. So let's let's talk the start of the season. I mean, you know, I was looking at your schedule and, you know, there just aren't any easy games for you guys. Can you yeah. talk a little bit about your early schedule and kind of how you look at it? Uh, Eastern Conference is going to be a great conference this year. You look at it, you know, and, and the conference games are the ones that are important. Uh, we're going to we'll open against New York. I think we're excited to play New York. We had a good contest with them last year, uh, third game of the season. They've made a lot of changes uh, there. You know, the, the, the roster has changed quite a bit. To our benefit, we got a young American prop, Jonas Petrokopoulos, uh, from them who we're excited about and good to give American players opportunities. Um, so I, I think that's going to be a good matchup for us. I think that you, we're not going to know a lot because things have changed so much there. Uh, so uh, we'll have to stick to our game plan um, uh, with them. I think then comes kind of that Eastern Conference run, and uh, NOLA is always – Atlanta and New Orleans are always going to be, you know, uh, rivalries in terms of cities. I'm pretty uh, certain that Nate is circling that one after I'm last sure. year. I'm sure yeah. that's been circled, right? <laughs> yeah, it's it's great. You know, you always compete the most with your friends, and you know, we get along well with uh, with the entire staff down there at NOLA. So we have a healthy respect and appreciation for them. But uh, you know, that's always going to be a tough contest. They're on the they're scheduled three times for us this year, so. Uh, we're, go we're going to have to, you know, kind of pick up our game and, and we'll get a preseason game against DC. Uh, I think there's a little bit of, uh, that was a very tight game. You know, the last game of that actually happened this year. It was back and forth affair. Um, could have gone either way for, for the team and they, they were just a better team on the day. So we're looking forward to getting back with them as well. Um, I want to go back to and finish up with just that that conversation about your game against New York, but like really from the Atlanta side, as you said, you're going to play your game. Um, is this is is you know do you go in and you're like we're going to play this game and then we're going to learn, or do you go in with a pretty good understanding about where you are because of the preseason and that rugby United game is just like the first step. Like you're pretty sure what, what the first three or four weeks of what you're going to work on is going to be what you work on. Or is that first game important for you to understand where your markers are? I think we'll be, we'll be generally prepared because we're in year two 
and our roster hasn't turned over quite a bit. So I think we, you know, we, we've reshaped the way that we want to play in a few key areas uh, in the off season. So I, I, we tested a few of those things out throughout the year um, and uh, some of them passed, some of them failed. And, you know, and, and I think uh, we've got a, we've got an idea of how we're going to play. Um, it's just a, and then of course it's the first game and it's uh, it, you know, it's never goes the way you expect it to. So we'll learn from it as, uh, as well. Um, well, Scott, thank you so much for your time. It's great to have um, some of your insight into um, rugby Atlanta and or rugby ATL and, and, and what you guys are doing down there. Uh, really appreciate you giving the time for us. I know it's exciting. We're just a, a few weeks away from the start of the season. So good luck with your um, prep and uh, good luck with your first game. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me on. There you have it. Always exciting. I was, I was pretty upset. I wasn't, I had a prior commitment for that one, but always upset when I don't get a chance to listen to Scott speak. I always feel like I take something good out of those conversations. Great coach, great guy. Yeah, and I think that it's, you know, it, he's building something in Atlanta. Um, he's a smart guy. He's very thoughtful. He thinks about um, the game and, and how you run a team um, in, a, you know, a very deliberate way. Uh, and it's just, you know, it's, it, it, there's no way Scott Lawrence, as long as he wants to do it, isn't going to coach the U.S. Eagles at some point in the future. Like, 100%. Yep. Like, like, this is the guy that got the U.S. U-20s, you know, that won the, 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 the U-20 World Trophy, the only time that we've done it. Um, you know, it, it, he's, he will, you know, if he can fit it in with his other job and, and, and all this other stuff, but um, just a, a really, really interesting guy. Um, and, and I agree with you, Dan, always enjoy sitting down chatting to him. One of the players that is playing for him currently for Rugby ATL and potentially for the USA Eagles if he does become the head coach there one day. And I know old Glory fans are upset to see DTS not returning, but we've got a new one, DVS. I'm talking about Duncan Van Schogfeik, and he is the scrum half from Rugby ATL who will be leading them in 2022. I had a chance to sit down with him earlier today. We are joined now by Rugby ATL scrum half, Duncan Van Skokvike. Big DVS. How you doing, buddy? How's the off-season treating you? I hear uh, there may be some big news coming for you on the work front outside of rugby soon as well. But tell us about your off-season and everything that's going on in the world of DVS. Oh, man, it's been good. Thanks for having me on, by the way. Um, not much, really. Just like everyone else, staying home and eating a lot of food and going on a jog every now and then. But, uh, but yeah, it's been good. Been spending some time with the family and the wife. Um, so it's been good. You and me were almost identical till you said going for a jog. I've been eating food, staying <laughs> home, hanging out with the family, but the jogging, you, you got me there. That's the key, is it? I got to start jogging. Uh, just every now and then, every now and then. Well, mate, you've, you've got a pretty good journey to come over here. You came over with your folks uh, in the 2000, or 2008, was it? 2008, yep. Yep, settled down in, in Charlotte, came from Pretoria. Now, you yeah. join a long line of Pretorians over here, obviously, Pedro Vunenberg and Ricard Hatting already played in MLR. Is there a little uh, social group? Is there a Blue Bull social group inside the MLR that you're part of? <laughs> no, I actually haven't met them yet. Um, haven't even played against them yet. So I'm sure after 
after the game, I'll go up to him and ask him about the Bulls and everything. Pedro's a good dude. He's not playing anymore. Ricard's soft. Yeah. He, he's like a cook crab. <laughs> You'll smash him. Don't worry. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, tell us a little bit about the journey after that, mate. You go down there. Obviously, Charlotte, uh, there, there is some rugby there. But uh, for a young guy coming over from South Africa, immersed in rugby culture, how is the adaptation coming over to the States and, and getting involved over here? Um, to be honest, I mean, it was it was tough at the start. Um, but my dad did a really good job uh, with – he started a rugby team for his sons, basically, me and my brother. And um, it just built. And um, we were fortunate – both me and my brother were fortunate enough towards the end of our high school career that uh, – got scholarships at Life University and um, just took the next step and it. it was the best experience of our lives and got to really take our rugby careers to the next level. Yeah, obviously talking about your brother, Xander, uh, how, does, how does he feel living in his yeah. brother's shadow? <laughs> oh, no. That's, that's <laughs> not a thing. That's not a thing. He's his own player. What's the, what's the age difference between you guys? Uh, he's two years older. Two years old. That's pretty close. So you guys would have played quite yeah. a bit growing up, obviously, at high school. And then you both went to Life University. Tell us about yeah. your experience at Life. Yeah, so it was actually um, a really cool experience because if we stayed in South Africa, the only chance we would have um, to play together is if we went on to the professional level, basically. And um, as soon as we moved over to the U.S., that's the first thing that we did is play together. And uh, it was just an, it was a really cool experience, you know, speaking off cons on the field and no one else knowing what's going on. So it's just me and him doing some trick plays, you know. Um, but, uh, but once we got to life, um, we took it to the next level, obviously. And uh, we both grew. He, he's, he got the tall jeans and I, I got the short jeans. And uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, when we went to life, it was just, a, it was a, really cool experience to go and win a national championship and have your brother next to you and for the next couple of years and forever we can tell our kids and our grandkids that when we were back in college we won national championship together and show them the pictures and show them the the trophies and everything and i think that's something that we look back on and uh really really enjoy um keep that in the memory bank what Great. All I've got from my brother is a scar in between my toes where he shot me with an air rifle. So I'm jealous. I'm jealous of the relationship. Hey, I got some scars too. Don't worry. Yeah. That's, that's the beauty of brothers, right? It's, it's, uh, yeah. it's like a best friend growing up, but yeah. you go to life university. Now talk positionally here, rugby wise, play a bit of nine, you play a bit of 10. You've certainly decided that nine is your position moving forward. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, that, that's fair to say. I mean, um, I played 10 all through college. Um, I played nine here and there and maybe game or two. And uh, once I got um, a call up to the USA team, I, they moved me to, they asked me to move to nine. And uh, yeah, I took it in full stride. And now I've fully converted to playing nine. Yeah, 2020 was a was a tough year for everyone, probably more so for a guy like yourself who was on the fringe of getting into the Eagles. Uh, 2009, you were brought into the squad by Gary Gold. How was the conversation with Gary in 2019? And then what's the communication been like with the USA through 2020? Obviously, you're, you're really close there. Uh, Ruben de Haas, kind of the future at nine, but you know you yeah. always need someone to go head-to-head with. How's that conversation with Gary and his staff been? 
Yeah, um, it was a uh, it was a surprising um, chat uh, when they asked me to move to nine um, because I thought I was getting called up at at, at ten. Um, but it was it was another challenge for me to face, and it was uh, one of the best experiences I've ever had in my life going and joining the USA squad and being with them for the Chile and Argentina game. And um, that whole camp, I basically was just taking time to learn how to play nine. Um, and I was lucky enough to be learning from the best players like Ruben Haas and Sean Davies. Um, and we have a good friendship. I've known Shawnee and, and Ruben since I played U20s with Ruben and Sean Davies was at life. And that relationship really helped me grow as a player and really enjoy the experience. Um, and since then, I've just been working on, on being the best nine I can be. Um, Ruben is, is an amazing player. I, I watch his games every weekend, basically, for, when he plays for the Cheetahs. And uh, I just try to take notes and really study what he does and try to improve what I, what I, what I need to improve. Well, you must be a quick study. I know you're a big fan of the show. Last week we had Andrew Douglas on and Denny Tussitala, one of the, the top nines in Major League Rugby. Fastest to the breakdown, it was a tie. Do you know who was the, else was the fastest number nine to the breakdown in MLR? No, I, I hope it's me. Okay, I'll give you a clue. He's on this podcast this week. <laughs> so it was you. So I, I actually had to ask him. I said, who was, who was the other guy who was that quick to the breakdown? Uh, and that's so important, isn't it? Like, obviously, changing positions. You played some nine, but changing full-time there, there is a learning curve. And speed to the breakdown, that anticipation is such a huge part of that role. Yeah. Was that something that you've really worked hard on with the coaching yeah. staff at ATL? Yeah, that was um, that was probably the biggest focus um, as a nine uh, last season, was we wanted to be the team that had the quickest rug speed. And um, the biggest challenge for me going from a 10 to a nine is that that fitness level and that anticipation of where the ruck's going to be. Um, I had to adapt really quickly because as a 10, I can sit back a little bit and watch the play evolve. As a nine, I have to predict where it's going to be um, and, and try and cheat my way to the next ruck. So that was the biggest um, adaptation that I had to conquer. And um, last season, Scott really, really pushed me to be, as soon as the ball's at the ruck, I mean, I'm playing it. Um, if the boys aren't ready, that's their fault. My job is to get to the get to the ruck and play the play the ball. And if they're not ready, then that's on them. So I just had to focus on my job, and the other boys will do theirs. Yeah, you you mentioned Ruben and, and Sean already. Any other nines in the global game that you try to keep an eye on and uh, you know model your game around? Um, my my top nine that I really enjoy watching is TJ Perinara. Um, I love the way that he is an attacking nine and he just tries to challenge everyone every game. He does different things. And um, he, I think he's changed the way that nines um, play the game. Um, Aaron Smith is, is obviously unbelievable um, with his passes. And I think he's probably the most consistent nine in the world. Um, but TJ just comes in and he's that game changer. And I, I want to be that. And I really enjoy watching him. 
Yeah, they're two, two of the best, aren't they? I remember watching Aaron yeah. Smith when they played, uh, the All Blacks played the Eagles in Chicago. And the amount of time yeah. when New Zealand had the ball that he was actually behind the Eagles defensive line, like you said, preemptively going to where the next breakdown was. He was so fast. Yeah. Like the ball, the yeah. tackle was there, breakdown, ball was gone. And it's like, it makes it difficult, right? Defensively. And you know, when you yeah. defend, the last thing you want is to be defending quick ball phase after yeah. phase because maybe one, maybe two phases you can you can survive, but eventually someone uh, with a low number on their back is going to get caught four or five out. And Absolutely. That's when bad things happen. Well, let's, let's talk MLR 2020, the short season. Now, only five yeah. games in. Uh, I called you guys twice. I had you down in New Orleans where you got that win in the rain down there against Noel at Noel, which was an unbelievable performance from, from you and your team. And then that last game in Old Glory. Who yeah. was... Who was the what would sorry, what was the highlight for you guys and you in particular during that five game stretch? Where did you feel you played your best rugby? I think um the Nola game was was the best game that we played as a team. Um uh, we felt that we achieved and went into that game with a great game plan and we executed it. Um the old glory game it was very it was a frustrating game because we knew that we would go up and then we would just give points back, go up, give points back. So that was the most frustrating thing is like, we know we can win this game and then just giving up those extra points. And towards the end, they, they came up and scored twice and we lost that game because of it. Um, but no, I, I think the best game last season was definitely the Noah game. Um, Noah is a really, really good team and um, we stuck to our game plan and executed really well. All right, who was your toughest opponent? Who was the hardest guy to tackle last year for you? Hardest guy to tackle? Um, geez, that old glory wing was really – he was probably one of the hardest carry, uh, ball carriers that I've seen in a long time. So you got Doug, Doug Fraser or Big Declan, the, the Kiwi Declan, bloke with the mullet? Declan, yeah, 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 Declan. Didn't belong on the wing, did he? He Man, was massive. He, he shocked me as we were – as we were playing, he shocked me. And I was like, wow. Yeah, he but, shocked me too. I was trying to find his dietitian and his strength coach after the game. Just <laughs> a few pointers. And I was like, what are you doing on the wing? He was, he was a giant. Yeah. I, I'm actually not sure if he's coming back yeah. or not. So that would be interesting to keep an eye on. Uh, what about you? Who, who do you think stood out for Rugby ATL? Who was a guy who kind of stood out for you on the roster? Um, can't be you or your brother. You've got to take the family out of it. <laughs> um, no, there, there, we have a lot of extremely talented players. Um, you look at guys like Kurt Coleman, you look at guys like Yon Momsen. Momsen was one of those players that you can give him the ball in a guaranteed game line, and he finds a way to fight. Um, he was he was extremely impressive. And then just the calmness of uh, Kurt Coleman was, was really good. It was, he made you feel comfortable as the game is going along, doesn't matter what the score is, he'll come up to me like, Hey, listen, calm down, focus on the next job, do your job and we'll be fine. Um, so that was really nice to have that experience, especially as a new nine going into the season. A lot of the time I'm frantic and like trying to find solutions when, when I don't need to find solutions, I just need to do my job and having a guy like that um, sit back in the pocket and tell you, Hey, listen, calm down is, is very nice. Yeah, what a, what a player uh, Kurt yeah. Coleman is. Probably probably wouldn't be in the MLR if it wasn't for a couple of injuries. 
but a yeah. blessing to have him over here, especially for rugby ATL. I love watching him play. Like you said, just cool, isn't he? He never seems flustered, yeah. never seems like uh, things are, if things aren't going his way, he just relaxes, just makes his passes, kicks the ball where he needs to put it. And yeah, what a, what a fantastic play. And let's, let's talk about the coaching staff. Stephen yep. Brett joins Rugby ATL. What do you know about Steve? You know, spent some time uh, at the Raptors, but now down there. Have you had much communications with him? And what are the plans yep. for attacking 2021? Yeah, so um, I obviously had a couple of chats before um, Steve actually came to the US, just introducing and getting to know each other. Um, funny story, um, we actually grew up watching him when he played for the Blues. Um, when he would play, come down to Victoria and play the Bulls, uh, we would actually go to the game. So I've actually watched him play live. Um, and uh, me and my brother were like, oh, that's actually pretty cool. So um, when he came down, I obviously knew what kind of player he is, um, his knowledge for the game. So I just – I want to take everything that he tells me and, and keep it in my brain and try and execute it because I know that he's been at that level – and um, it's nice to have a backs coach that has been through all the levels of playing and at an extremely high level. Um, because when we go into drills and things, he can he understands exactly as a player what we're going through. And in certain situations, he can really diagnose and, and take every part of it out of it and, and sit you down and be like, listen, do this, this, and this in these different situations. So, um, no, he's been great. He's been um, a really, really good guy to learn from. You, didn't, you and your brother didn't abuse him or throw stuff at him when he was playing, did you? If, no. if, we, if I don't see you in the 23, then he's got a good memory, hasn't he? He probably remembers. <laughs> yeah, like, you, I, I remember you know these two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, looking, yeah. let's look at the 2021 season. Obviously, some yeah. changes to the coaching staff. What about on the roster side of things? Any new signings? Like, who, who jumped out to you that ATL signed that you're excited to play with? So, um, we got a bunch of new players. Uh, Batu um, is an Argentinian guy. He is a really, really good player. Um, just in the practices and trainings that we've had recently, you can see his experience. It, it stands out. Um, you you have a immediate respect for him as soon as he touches the ball. Um, so Batu is one of the is a really big signing and excited, really excited to be playing with him. We got some um, really good talent at nine with Eamon Matthews and then um, uh, um, Rowan House. He just signed with us as well. He's a really good uh, nine, and uh, we'll be battling out for the nine position. Um, and he's he's really good player. He's also played at a high level with the Kings and everything. Um, so excited for that. Excited for some really good competition at nine between the three of us. Um, and then we we've signed a couple of other guys that still haven't come in. And uh, so excited, really excited to meet all of them. Yeah. What what about the life alumni? It's a big network now in MLR. Probably one of the the best represented schools. Who are you looking forward yeah. to smashing? Justin Johnson, you're going to smash him? No, probably one of my best friends, Connor Mooneyham. Oh, the number one draft pick, Mr. Fancy Pants himself. You know, you, yeah. you probably won't be able to touch him. The paparazzi down in Dallas, they're all over <laughs> him. And, yeah, he's got the endorsements going and yeah. he's loving life. No, what a, what a great player he is too. That'll be a fun yeah. one. I kind of uh, – do you, when do you play against Dallas? I've got to take another look at the schedule. 
Um, I'm not sure the date, but uh, I know we do. It's play, on there. So. Oh, that's yeah, good. I, I, I'm that's pretty good. sure it's on there. So. Him and uh, Mitch Wilson. It's always good to play against Mitch. So. Loudmouth Australians. Yeah, it's always good to shut those up, aren't they? <laughs> well, Mitch, 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 this will be his second year with uh, Boston, right? With New England. Yep. Yeah, he's the same age as me. And we've been through school and all the levels with the All-Americans together. Uh, that'll be a good one. I think he actually might yeah. play them in a preseason game. Uh, no, we play um, no? DC and DC. Uh, Utah. That's right. Uh, that's right. Yep, and then New England early though. I think you have them pretty early oh, yeah. on the, the yep. season. That'll be a good one. That'll be good. Did you get a chance to play New England in twenty twenty? No, we didn't. No, no, no that's right. No. Uh, what a bummer. Well, buddy, yeah. appreciate you joining the show. It's been good. Yeah. I'm looking forward to uh, seeing you out there, not only for ATL but the USA Eagles for years to come. Uh, you can have to thank your parents for moving over. You know, yeah. 13 years ago now, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a blessing. Yeah. But appreciate you joining the show. Looking forward to Rugby ATL getting back on the field in 2021 and, and you and your brother shredding things up. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. It's, uh, it's always a pleasure to talk to you guys and uh, cannot wait to see you guys. Beautiful. See you then, brother. See you guys. Bye. Crazy, isn't it? See, uh, the old movie, uh, Sliding Doors, Gwyneth Paltrow. What a movie where she catches a train, misses a train. Imagine if the, the Vench Goldflakes don't get on a plane to come to North Carolina. You don't get Xander. You don't get Duncan. Life University, who knows if they win those national championships. Rugby ATL, miss out on two great players. They're here. You know, they're US eligible now. We embrace this type of talent over here. It's, it's great to see them at Rugby ATL too. Both great young men, and it was a good chance to sit down and kind of hear what Duncan had to say there, Pete. Yeah, I mean, really, really exciting guy. I and, mean, you know, just a, uh, um, you know, a guy that played fly half, right? Um, now playing nine, um, but really talented. And I think that um, is one of those guys that can grow with the um, ATL squad as they go through the season. Just want to see him play more. I think the more he plays, the more he'll 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 develop and you know someone that I'm sure Gary Gold is uh, continuing to look at. Well, someone that Gary Gold works with currently is the head coach of Rugby United. It is Greg McDreamy McWilliams himself. We had a chance to catch up with Greg McWilliams, one of the leading coaches here in Major League Rugby, the man tasked with taking New York back to the title game. What a proud history New York sports has. Rooney looking to join that upper echelon as well. Greg McWilliams coming up now. Okay. Uh, we are joined now by Rooney, head coach, the man who leads the Roosters, the king of the crow of the Big Apple. Greg McWilliams, how you doing, brother? How you holding up? I'm doing great. Uh, good to be on. Good to see you two boys. Uh, I think when I see you, in front of my computer, I know that we're pretty close to the season starting, which is which is good news, I think, for everyone. I think we're ready to get going at this stage now. Uh, it's been a long time. It's been a tough year. Yeah, very, very interesting off-season, hasn't it? Uh, probably the most interesting off-season of your professional career. How did you handle that with the shutdown early March? Kind of when did you yeah. shift gears into looking to 2021 and how did that look for you and, and Rugby United? Yeah, pretty quickly. I think um, when we got news that the season was going to be cut short, obviously we had you know medical staff that were having Zooms with our players, keeping them up to date as to what to do. Um, we had players that were concerned, obviously, particularly who were based in New York. 
but then we kind of got in pretty quickly to the retention recruiting um, and then you're planning I mean we have so much to plan this year because of COVID and it's been a challenge but it's been it's been one that um, you know a lot of work has gone in behind the scenes by a lot of people uh, not just me there's a whole group of people who have, have stuck their toe in and um, you know I think we're going to be good to go when the players start coming in next week well, Greg, I, I, I want to start before we spend more time about 2021. Um, I'd like to talk about 2020. You kicked yeah. off in the tornado in Vegas. Not not yeah. a great performance by Rooney. Um, Shocking. First first off against the Three Jacks, but after that, four really good games. Finished with a with a mm. very good performance against what many people considered was the best team in the league in San Diego. What did you learn in? 2020 and how is that going to impact what you're going to do in 2021 i think the travel i mean in five games we use 32 players so i think you know the travel takes a lot out of the players and we want to make sure that we have our training load during the week uh, pretty accurate so that our players you know who are going to be going on four-hour flights to games and um, we just need to manage their bodies to make sure that they're able to have energy i think We've seen a lot of very good players uh, come to the fore this year. I think there's uh, new coaching staffs coming in that are bringing good IP. And I think the league is going to be stronger. So last year, I think from a Rooney point of view, um, we didn't really have enough time to stamp down our identity as a group. And I think that's the key thing for this year in a short window during preseason. You're trying to connect as a group, align as a group and, and have a real identity. And I think... If you look at teams in any league that have been successful, when things get tough, um, generally they have a way of getting through those tough situations because they understand the task ahead. You know, they have good ownership as a group of players. And I think that's something that we definitely were aware of when it came to our attention recruiting to get players in who were responsible, who had really good awareness, who were good squad people, good for the culture. And at the moment, we're working with our senior leadership group and we're working with our players to form that identity. We're doing a lot of it remotely now, you know, so we're doing as best we can and hopefully we'll have a bit of a head start. We've got to accelerate our preseason, um, but certainly it's, it's having a group of players that we're guiding as a coaching staff and they're the ones who, who really do need to take control. And it's something I think coaches speak an awful lot of, but it really is, I think, the missing link. When I look at rugby at the moment is if you have a group of players who are really efficient around the use of the ball and how they defend and they're smart. I think that just is so important. Um, so we took a lot of learnings. We had a big review. I, you know, um, we would have reviewed with the players, reviewed with the staff, reviewed with the board. I think we've got a pretty clear plan as to what we need to do to be better. You know, you, you uh, um, had, you know, uh, I think maybe the best line out and in particular the line out drive um, last year, uh, lots of, um, uh, you know, I think early on in this season in 2021, there's going to be a lot of drop balls as, as team players who haven't played for 10 months are coming in teams are yeah. betting in new players. There's not a lot of opportunity for preseason games because of COVID, you know, um, is it still the set piece that's going to lead you guys? I mean, I know that you're like an attacking guy. You, you like to talk about how you use the ball, but you know, you just want to turn those, uh, like, turn the pressure into points, right? And so the yeah. set piece seems to be a good way to do that. It, it, you'd think that. Um, but I think when I look at the San Diego game, part of our downfall was we went to a lineup that wasn't functioning and we repeated it over and over again where we need to change and, and attack in another area. I think the key to any attack, you know, so many teams are attacking the same way. 
is having the ability to run, catch, pass, kick as often as you can so that defenders, no matter how they defend, you should find a way of beating the defence. So I think in any game, we know what the line eight statistics are in terms of points scored in the top leagues around the world. So look, it makes sense that we will, of course, have a good line out. I think we've got a really good group of players, Nick Savetta, Nate Brakeley, Charlie Hewitt, you know, uh, Butchers there, Dylan Fawcett, Wil- Wilton Rebelo, James Rochford. We've got a good core group of seniors who love talking about the scrum and who love talking about the line out. And then we've got a, a Fords coach, Marty Beale, who really promotes the Fords to take ownership of their actions. So I think in any, like it's so important that we have a good set piece. Um, but at the same time, I think we have to be creative in how we use the ball because if you become too easily predictable, like we did, San Diego can find a way of stopping you. And then your plan B, we didn't have. That was tough for me watching that game because I felt we'd underprepared the players and we hadn't done enough work about what if, what if a line fails? What if we win three penalties in a row inside their 22? We kick to the corner twice, we lose the ball twice. The third time, what are we going to do? Well, we kick to the corner again and we lost the ball. Where right. We needed to... We needed to either take a scrum, which was being successful, or do something different. But Greg, that's why we talk about how important coaching continuity is, because it like you can't install a mindset and a game plan in a preseason, right? It actually takes multiple seasons. And so what you're talking about is that in one preseason you can put in one game plan, right? Yeah. But but you know San Diego at that point had a had a coach that had been there for three years, and I think it's an advantage that teams have when they hold on to their coaches for multiple years. I, I, I actually want to take uh, I take this time to just, you know, of watching all the teams play. I thought Rob Howley did an incredible job, actually, with the Legion. Uh, when we played them, they were a very, very well-coached team. Um, and obviously, I just wish Rob all the best. I think he's left them in a brilliant position. And they still should be one of the favourites going into 2021. And um, a lot of the work he did uh, has him in that position. Yeah, the, the perils of being a head coach, huh? 5-0 and and yeah. lose your job. You can never put your finger on it. But, mate, talk, talking about, obviously, Pete's really hit on the on-field, like things that are in your control during the off-season. One thing, probably a little less, was the ownership group. You guys just had a massive change in ownership. Uh, James Kennedy no longer involved with the club. And the Bolton group, uh, led by Guy Bolton, who were you know minority owners, now become majority owners. How's that affected your day-to-day? And will we see any changes you know, for, for Rooney fans, uh, for, for the television, for the playing staff, how is that going to affect your day-to-day into 2021? So I knew Guy, um, Guy Bolton, who uh, is the chairman of our board. Uh, Bolton Equities have taken over, obviously, the majority ownership of our club. And um, I met him before the season started last year. Great guy, good rugby fella. Um, I think he's very keen to oversee the business side of, of Rooney, which is important. Um, it's so important that we connect with our fans more than we have in the past. That's something that Steve Lewis is, has come on board and is doing a great job with our community through the you know, coach education. We have a lot of coach education at the moment. And, you know, Guy's, Guy's role is just to create a, the best rugby code that we can for the people in New York. Um, you know, and he's bringing in people around him and I brought in people around me and together I think we align with what we want from the club and that's exciting. So if, if anything, I think, you know, James Kennedy did a terrific job and I think it's the right time for new ownership to come in um, and take the club to a new level. Um, and James did a terrific job getting us to where we are and now it's, it's time for Guy to take over and allow this club to, you know, to continuously improve. 
Yeah, and given the the current landscape that we sit in right now, mate, uh, MCU Park is that in the rearview mirror for the Roosters, or uh, will you be there in twenty twenty one, or a new home potentially in twenty twenty one? I think. Look, let's let's be fully transparent here. I really want the rugby community to not have to go far to watch a rugby game. And um, Coney Island was quite far from where our rugby community is. I think it's important that we try and, and mix in with the local rugby community as much as we can. So if you look around Iona, around Fordham, uh, White Plains, there's a lot of, of rugby fans around Greenwich. So I think the key thing for us is to find a location where um, we can be a little bit more accessible to the fans, even if you know you have an apartment down in Midtown or you're in Manhattan. It'd be nice just to get on a, a subway and arrive at a rugby game as opposed to going on the clangor for like an hour and a half or two hours to get to a game. So I think we're always looking at improving all of our facilities, which we've done in our training facility. And I think, you know, we're looking to create a really good match day experience for our fans because the more we can do that and the more entertaining it can be, well, then the more people are going to come back and hopefully get behind what we're trying to build. I'll miss the roller coaster, mate. I will miss it. Oh, well, maybe we could bring that with us. Do it, do like yeah. the LA are doing in Austin, bring a roller coaster and a big, a big slide and a, and a couple of swimming pools, maybe. Uh, yeah, make it a good day. swimming pools in March or April yeah. in New York. I, I, I don't, I don't think that. You're too pragmatic. Hot, yeah, hot tub. Who was the uh, Who was the Super Rugby franchise that they used to do the hot tub on the sideline? Well, that was in South Africa, right? The Sharks. I, I think it was. They had a hot tub on the sideline and you could yeah. you could buy it yeah and you could hop in there and there you go you can coach from the hot tub people vie get in the hot tub with uh, greg mcdreamy and he's going to coach the game from the hot tub with you i'm in how much that, that, that's yeah i was going to say that's an expensive vip ticket before we get too far off track um i want to talk a little bit about how you've thought about developing your roster for 2021 you know you got to know the players as your first year um then in, in the offseason, you know, some some big names you've brought in, but it seems like you've also got some some local talent. Share with us a little bit some of the new players that you're bringing in that you think can have an impact in 2021. I think you can look no further than Andy Ellis is a perfect case in point. Uh, New York, it's funny, through high school, uh, club and college, there's a lot of very good nines in the area. So I'm looking at Andy Ellis being the player that he is, but also the person off the field. I mean, I'm thinking of Dylan Lewis, who's a collegiate player. I'm thinking about Damon Morley or Luke Bersanis, Nick Jimenez at club level. Um, and then you have Connor Buckley and Connor McManus. I mean, they're all young nines. And you have somebody with Andy's experience coming in. Not only is he going to provide a, you know, a great amount of IP and experience for our playing group, but his whole goal is to try and... and you know, get as much touches as you can with with the younger players and reteach them the ins and outs to become a world class nine. And you know we can't underestimate the importance of that for these young players. Um, and then you look at somebody like you know Cara Pryor and Ben Bonasso. Ben Bonasso, who's Argentinian, who was born in America, so he becomes eligible for USA. He played Argentina U20s, and he's a very good back rower who plays in the wide channels. So you'd be looking to use him on the flanks with someone like Cara Pryor. You know, really elusive runner. Um, very good mindset, very smart player. Um, and I think we need that. Uh, I think in this league, it's going to be you know, a slog. We know that. Um, and I think you just need players who can just do that extra bit. So we're aware about bringing in people that can improve our intellectual ability as much as their physical ability. So Andy and Cara are perfect case in points. And really excited about Quinn. 
Um, you know, Quinn is uh, a phenomenally gifted centre from Canada, and he has everything that you want in a young centre. He, you know, he's big, he's strong, really good skill set, and I think he's got a really high ceiling. So to think that I've got the opportunity to try and and help him, you know, become better, I think that's really exciting. And look, we have we have the the retained players that were absolutely critical to us. You know, we talked earlier on about Nate Brakeley, uh, about the butcher. But also people like Harry Bennett, Connor Wallace Sims, people Ben Foden, people who, you know, are, are the foundation of, of what Rooney has been. Um, and that was, again, I, I kind of, I, sh- I gave a shout out to Rob Holy earlier on. I mean, shout out to Ben Foden. I mean, I didn't know what to expect when I came in to coach Ben Foden, and uh, he's somebody who's just a brilliant pro. You know, there's a reason why he's played over 300 Premiership games, why he's still playing as a 35 year old. It's because he looked after himself and and. I think it's about just trying as quickly as we can during the preseason to bring the experience together with what is some very young and experienced players that we believe has good potential. And then, you know, during preseason, we have to accelerate our, our development as much as we can. And we have to be creative around that as a player group and as a management group. And, and hopefully we're in a position where we can, you know, hit the ground running this time. And it's not like a car crash like it was uh, last year against the Free Jacks. I mean, Tom Kindly text messages me I'd say maybe once every two weeks about that game so <laughs> I'm, I'm just I send back I send back the odd gif and then I like you know quietly obviously I think we're all looking forward to playing that game because you know that was hard one to take for for a New York team um, and you know, I'm really looking forward to to some battles and I think I think by the way it's important that we have rivalries in, in this competition so if we can develop a good rivalry against Boston and a good rivalry against you know, DC along the East Coast. I mean, that's only good for our supporters as well. And, and it'll make those games a bit spicier for you boys when you're calling it. So let's let's talk a little bit about this preseason. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be shorter than it was before, right? Mm-hmm. It's going to be COVID impacted. Can you yeah, give yeah. Um, the listeners a little bit of some insight into what's different this year in terms of how you would run preseason relative to last year? Yeah, look, you know, the MLR has provided us with a number of guidelines that we have to adhere to. Um, and, you know, we have a medical team that are very active. Um, I think the first important thing for listeners to understand is we can't play any preseason games against teams that aren't MLR teams. So, for example, we had planned to play Austin in Austin on the 12th of March with LA and have a, you know, a three way um game style, which would have been brilliant, but we cancel that because we feel that a week before our first game, traveling to Austin is just a little bit too dangerous. Um, so it means that we have one game at the moment in our preseason against Boston, which would be more of a scrimmage. Um, and the idea of that will be to just go through different combinations. But it, it it's exciting because I think as a coach as well, it's made me really do a lot of work around how we can maximize game-like situations. Um, so you've got to be really smart, as I said earlier on, around your loading, around your high-speed meters per week and make sure that you're repping the game demands as much as you can. Um, and there's no other way of doing it. You need to rep the game. Um, and I think our players are going to be in for um, a lot of hard work. Um, you know, We're going to be spending a lot of time around our skill development. A lot of time, as we talked about earlier on, about gaining our identity and, and connecting as a group so we can align 
Um, but yeah, it's going to make you think during preseason. You have to um, you have to make the use of your time. And you know, in any professional environment, you know, a week is 168 hours long. In any professional environment, your players will only be in you know your care for maybe between 20 and 30 hours. So the extra 138 hours that they're outside of your environment, you know, you want to make sure that they're in a good position, that they're studying, that they're, you know, they're taking up a musical instrument or that they're being active or they're learning a trade as much as they can. Um, and the more comfortable they are, uh, I think the better than they'll be formed. Like be warm, have food, you know, hydrate well, have good diets. All those things are going to be really important for, for us uh, performing. Yeah. So it's, it really has made me think, and, you know, Marty Beale, who's my assistant coach, challenged me all the time around the detail, which is which is great. Uh, Steve Lewis challenges around the detail. So we have pretty thorough chats to make sure that we are looking at every single aspect to give our players the best opportunity to, to compete. And it's really exciting. It's good. It's, uh, it's challenging. And we're working through stuff at the moment, for example, with the senior leadership group that, you know, is allowing them to have a pretty big say in, in what we're building because... You know, at the end of the day, they're the ones who have to play while we'll be in the hot tub in March watching from the sidelines. <laughs> I mean, I guarantee if we do it, it'll be you and me, and it's going to be a huge hit. I uh, I, I love your optimism slightly, of a... Slightly disturbing for viewers to see that. But, uh... <laughs> I, will, I will go on a diet right now if Guy Bolton commits to putting a hot tub in for Rooney home games. I promise you. Okay. Put that on the record. No more cards between now and the first Rooney home game. Write that one down. I love your optimism too that your players are going and picking up musical instruments. Um, twenty twenty one. I don't know if you've heard of Call of Duty, but uh, yeah. that kind of seems to be the the go to now for players. We did like we tried to to keep our players as active as possible. We had book clubs and we had guitar lessons. So we get had a six part guitar lessons where players who were interested in learning guitar came on and we did them through Zoom. Um, and we had game simulations and we had like guest speakers. We just tried to kind of open open their minds a little bit and, and, and do some cool things. Actually, one of them, Eric Tack, who's no longer who's no longer a Rooney player, um, he got really good at the guitar. And you know, yeah. by, the end of it, by the end of it, man, he was like he was properly able to play. And it was really cool to see it because you know, he's a young player, um, he's a young professional, um, a very smart guy, and now he's really into the guitar and yeah, that's part of the battle, isn't it? Like when they're young and they have the time to do things, learning skills for me is being an ex-school teacher. It's something I always harp on to my players about. It's uh, the more you can do and the more you can learn, the better. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mate, let's talk Let's talk about the opening round. So your first five home games, which is for all intents and purposes, is going to be an extended preseason, but it's going to count. So you've got to come out of those first five games with points. Everything on the East Coast except Seattle. You played Seattle, I think, in week four, if memory serves me correctly. But you open with Atlanta. So how are you feeling about preparing the troops with a short offseason, going down to Atlanta, taking on the rattlesnakes down there? Yeah, tough one, right? I mean, very well-coached group. I think they have a young player group that have been together uh, through the summer. Uh, a lot of them are based down in Atlanta. So I think they're going to be very well prepared. I think their micro skills will be quite strong. Um, so I think it's going to be an opening, an opening game that will be tough. The good news is that it can't be worse than last year. Um, <laughs> so, At least um, weather-wise, you know, can't uh, be worse than that. I mean, that, like, that, anyway, that, that try is the craziest like, try 
Yeah. I've seen in, 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 in professional rugby. I mean, it was yeah. like nuts. Like, it, yeah, it ben, nuts. ben Foden grew up playing on swamps throughout England, you know, yeah. wet, boggy marshes. Never did he ever think he'd see a ball bounce, you know, 12 feet in the air Man, twice. At halftime, I remember obviously the players are, are grabbing some uh, water around halftime, sitting around, we're getting ready to talk, they're breathing, and he catches eyes on me. And I could see him going, don't say a word. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, I was like, I, I didn't say a word. You know, it's yeah. like one of those things. I mean, like, what am I going to say as a head coach? Nothing. There's nothing you can say. But uh, look, going back to Atlanta, they're, they're very tight. They've got good cohesion. I think they've recruited smartly in key areas. I think their midfield is going to be very strong next year. Um, I think their back row is going to be exceptionally strong. So last year, Atlanta was the highest ball in play with 39 minutes just over ball in play, which for any professional game is high. So we need to be fit and we need to be ready to, to move. So um, I think that's an interesting, that's a tough start for us. And it's one that we'll prepare as best we can for. We're going to have to be fit. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's obviously something you always can control yourself is your, your fitness. You don't need to be in a team environment to, to get miles in the legs. Who jumps out on that roster for you uh, that you're going to have to be wary of down there for rugby ATL? I mean, there's a few. I mean, look, obviously I had no chance when Glusky pretty well. You know, he's a young, he's a young prop who gets better every year. I think we'll have a good scrum. I think as well, when you look down through the spine, I mean, you look at Coleman's very good player. Dunk's a good player as well. Uh, I'm not sure how much they'll have some of their sevens players at that stage, but um, I think they have a good spine. I think their 9-10 will be, will, are very good at controlling the game tempo. And they have a forward pack again who'll be good around set piece uh, and they'll be, they'll be mobile. So, you know, it's going to get to the 65th minute again, 70th minute, where it's going to be still an arm wrestle, maybe. Um, and you're hoping that you can just, you know, get on the right side of a, of a bounce or a referee's call or something to, to make you pull away or win a few penalties. But it's going to be a tight one. I, I think it's going to be really tight. And um, I can't believe we're talking about the first game. Uh, I haven't really thought much about the specifics uh, at this stage. So it's getting exciting. Yeah, it is. And uh, promises to be a good one too. I think that the conference set up will make these rivalries like you talked about, the Boston, Old Glory. It certainly adds spice to it. I mean, you look at the history between New York and Boston, uh, very big baseball rivalry there with the Red Sox and the Yankees. Sorry, Matt McCarthy and the Mets, but you guys have yeah. been terrible for you know since the Miracle Mets. I so just beat it. Patriots, the Giants. Mets today, yep. The Mets today obviously had an interesting story. I, I believe their GM is no longer. Yes. Uh, yeah. 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 Texting problems, I think. Yeah. Took a, uh, a leaf out of the Brett Favre dating manual, which is never a good one. Yeah, I, I think, honestly, I think the East is... Uh, the East is, I, I, I think any of those teams could come out. And I think that, yeah. like, I think the challenge is there's a short preseason. You start poorly, you lose a couple of games. It's going to be hard to get that back. I think the yeah. West is going to, there'll be, there'll be a couple of teams in the West that will probably pull, up, pull away and they'll have some gimmies. I don't think there's any gimmies on the East. I don't think there's players you can rotate, like there's games that you can rotate players through. I mean, you're just going to have to rotate oh. players every time and just keep your fingers crossed. I, I think, you know, when we were when we were looking at a recruiting, we were, we were really conscious of, you know, players, you know, perceived players, you know, 15 to 32, 36, because I think, you know, quickly teams are going to be relying on depth. So, you know, you could find yourself having good momentum at the start and you could lose a couple of key players or you could find yourself having, 
you know, poor momentum, but managing to kind of get on a get on good momentum quite quickly. Right. Um, and then you're just trying to hold on to that momentum for as long as you can. And, and it's the same in any league. But every team just wants to start well, start with good momentum and allow that build. But we have to be prepared for the what ifs, you know, like, you know, there's only only one team can win each game. So um, if you're on the wrong side of that, it, it's just about, right, what do we do wrong? What can we improve on? What do we need to do to be better and just continuously work through the year? So, you know, again, the player group and, and the management staff that we have are, are good thinkers, I believe. And um, yeah, I think we're looking forward to seeing what we can put together and, and a style of rugby that hopefully will represent the group of players that we have and obviously the city that we're representing. That's that's important to the players at the moment is trying to get that identity. Uh, good stuff. Great. We, we appreciate you joining the show. Looking forward to seeing you with a full year of Rooney uh, under your tutelage and what is possible out there for the Roosters. Any chance you can adopt the Roosters? Go full-time, the Rattlesnakes. Atlanta went the Rattlesnakes. Do you, you think yeah. maybe the Roosters? Well, maybe. I mean, One day? There's a few Roosters, few Roosters around the world at the moment. Um, yeah, maybe. Actually, hang on a second here. Stay there. Stay yeah, there. I'm not moving. I'm not going anywhere. What do you reckon, Pete? The Rooney oh, Roosters? No, now, now, well, now I'm, I'm like the mystery of what, what... Just one second. Hi, is that Guy? Guy, hi, yeah. I'm here with Dan Power. We're talking about uh, putting in a hot tub. But... Okay. Yeah, no, the hot tub's not going to happen. Oh, so, yeah. He saw he saw the Instagram photo from my vacation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm getting that a lot. He, he thought yeah, that I had. You said prop behind you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fair enough. I, you know, when 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 Greg was talking about making it a real experience for the um, for the fans, so they'll come back. You in a hot tub probably doesn't equate to giving the fans an experience that they'll come back to. Listen, listen, Pete, when someone's down, they're getting kicked. Don't join in and kick them while they're down as well. Don't jump in with Greg. Be a be a sheep. You meant to Dan, defend me on this show. Dan, since when? Since when? Yeah, that's true. Are you, Are you familiar with the big guy, Scott Ferreira? Uh, yeah, you have to you have to fill me in. Is he the rooster? He, he he is like head of our supporters club. Yeah. I mean, he's such a good man. You need to meet him. You need to embrace him. He does. He's doing Trojan work uh, behind the scene at the moment. Uh, he well, I love it. Tap. Let's set it up. Get him in the hot tub. Get him in the hot Oh, the big guy loves the hot tub. Yeah. Hot tub. yeah. <laughs> There's another big guy. So, yeah. so Dan and the other big guy can be in the yeah. hot tub. Some Maybe pizza, five, hot tub. <laughs> no okay. more New York so, than that. So, so we need to we need to start wrapping this thing up because the when you two get together and you get running, we end up not not staying on task. The last. <laughs> Should I wrap it up, Dan? Yeah. Or do you need wrap, to wrap it up, Pete. Wrap it up, Pete. <laughs> wrap done, it up. We're done here. All right, Greg McWilliams from Rooney, the head coach. Thank you so much for your time and thank you for joining us on MLR Kickoff. Thank you so much for having me and good luck with you boys for the season. Well, Pete, I, I know you usually nerd out with the coaches, but a uh, special bond I have with Greg. I feel like I could talk to him all day. I mean, is, is it his hair that, that, that you really wish you had? I mean, he has some... challenged. Yes, that is true. I am. And Greg has luscious locks. So maybe. Yeah, I, I, I have a lot of time for Greg. I, I think that, um, you know, one of the things that really step, stands out for me, I, I, um, you know, I, I know him all the way back. He was an assistant with Ireland. He passed in the 2014 um, uh, World Cup and, and have stayed in, in contact with him. Really thoughtful guy. What I, what I really enjoy about Greg as a coach is he's, pretty, he's very humble. There's a lot of humility. He doesn't feel like he has all the answers. 
Um, and I think that playing, I think players that play for him notice that. I think he he wants the players to take ownership. He wants the players to kind of grow the team with him. And I think that's going to be one of the um, important elements that he's going to bring to the Rooney culture. Absolutely. Now, listeners, I want you to do me a favor. Turn the volume up on this one. I always get a lot of grief for the man crushers. Sam Windsor, Brad Tucker, Mungo Mason. Finally, Pete Steinberg's man crush joins the show. It's the Rooney Lock, Nate Brakeley. It's a deserving man crush, Pete. I'll give you credit. You've got good taste. But you got a chance to catch up with Nate. And boy, oh boy, it's a good one. Listen in. Well, Nate, welcome to Major League Rugby kickoff. Thanks. Excited to be here. So, you know, we're about to finish the longest off-season ever, like nine or ten months, depending on when your preseason starts. Talk to us a little bit about what the end of the season was like for you, um, how easy that transition was back into sort of normal life and, and, and what you've been doing in the last nine or ten months to, to stay rugby ready. Yeah, so obviously it was, uh, you know, sudden for everyone when the season was just abruptly canceled. And I think everyone came out of that, you know, with their own individual frustrations. Um, for me, life life goes on. I got a full-time job outside of this. And so I was back to nine to five and didn't have an excuse to leave the office early anymore. But other than that, um, you know, working, working remote and doing that. Um, my uh, fiance and I ran away to uh, my folks' place in New Hampshire and we have been up there um, since March, basically, uh, in the middle of the woods, just to get away from New York City. Um, and so what is, you know, what does rugby preparedness look like? Uh, <laughs> running around in the woods, trying to figure out, you know, when I need to get back in shape for and uh, very tentatively stepping foot back into gyms as, you know, as, as the season looks to actually be about to kick off. Now, are you one of those guys that, you know, you're, you're obviously a lock, um, are you one of those players that when you don't work out, you put on weight or when you don't work out, you lose weight because you lose your muscle mass? I, I lose weight when I don't work out. Um, and so I was, uh, you know, trying to be very careful. And so probably March to July didn't step foot in the gym. Um, and so I was doing a lot of push-ups, um, was doing, you know, lumberjack games in the woods. And so when I finally stepped back in the gym, I was probably 10 pounds lighter and everything hurt a lot. <laughs> So um, and you didn't you didn't send um, uh, Greg McWilliams, your coach, a text being like, "How's number six looking? How's, how's blind side flanker?" <laughs> you know, I've I've been uh, lobbying. You played for... there a bit, right? You played there a no, bit. I, my first cap was at six, which right. was news to me because I'd never played six in my life. And then I rocked up in my first USA camp, and they said, "Right, you're a six. Um, so then I quickly had to figure out how to do that. Um, but then they quickly realized that uh, I'm way too slow to be playing six, and so second row has been my home ever since. <laughs> So, so it only took one international cat to realize that you weren't fast <laughs> enough. Now, now, but what would your preference be? Uh, you know, I, I like the, uh, the freedom of six. I think it's a lot of fun. Um, and actually, my first, uh, the first game of the season, uh, Rooney versus Free Jacks, um, which obviously didn't go well for us, but I played at six there just out of necessity. Um, so I think it's good to have in my back pocket. Uh, but it's probably a fair call that, uh, you know, my 40 meter time is probably not where it needs to be to be playing six. And so breaking out of the second row is, uh, is a good place for me. So, you know, long off season, um, but you're one of these guys that is smart. You're a Dartmouth grad and you actually have a real job. So, and, and Rooney have a number of players like this, you know, they, they've got guys that are in well-paid jobs, can't give up that well-paying job to be a, um, 
you know, a full-time rugby player, don't want to give up on that career. So you've been balancing it now for a few years. Um, have you had any thoughts? I know um, it sounds like Rooney's changing where they train. Like, like how, how, you know, talk a little bit about last year, about how you managed that in terms of your training, what you could do with the team, what you had to do on your own, and then how you think it might happen this year. Yeah, so in, in uh, I guess the first two years of Rooney's existence, um, the core of our players were guys with full-time jobs, uh, the Mike Petries of the world that are school teachers during the day. And so the whole uh, team schedule and plan was around the assumption that guys were working during the day. So I would miss team gym sessions, but training was 7 to 9 p.m. at night. And so take off a few minutes early from work and take the uh, Staten Island ferry over. So that was that was fine, uh, you know, if not for a, made for a long day. Uh, this year, it looks like uh, they are planning to have uh, to focus on the guys that are full time. And so training will be in the middle of the day. Uh, but I've been kind of perversely lucky in that COVID has forced everyone remote. Uh-huh. And, so you can actually the you have more flexibility kind of, in your hours, right? Yeah, the world has kind of realized that, you know, nine to five being in the office is not the only solution. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it, it's, I'm, I'm very fortunate that these things have come in little increments. And so when I tell my job, when I told my job originally, I'm going to need to take a few Fridays off to play rugby, that was reasonable. And then it was, I'm going to need to take some weeks off to go on USA tours. And that was more reasonable. And now when I say, yeah, I'm not going to be online from, you know, nine to noon every day. That's <laughs> like, you know, the death by a thousand cuts that's, that has been working out versus if I showed up day one and said, hi, <laughs> employ me, but I'm only going to be here half the time. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's really interesting. I didn't even factor that in, but actually, you know, you just don't make, you just make sure you don't have any meetings during practice time and it works out fine, but it, it so it's still a long day. The difference is in the evening, you're doing your work versus versus doing your practice. A hundred percent. And so, you know, it's still going to be, you know, basically down to dusk. I'm doing something, um, but it'll be uh, just a, a different order of things. So, you know, talk a little bit about, about your, your rugby journey. How, um, you know, when did you pick up the game? Um, like, when did you know that you were going to be a, a, a good player? All, all that sort of stuff. <laughs> Uh, well, I'm not sure about that last one, but we'll, uh, be, uh, I'm I, not sure how much affirmation you need, Nate, but like <laughs> you play for the U S like, like, like you play for Rooney, one of the better teams in, in major league rugby. I think, I think we can, we can safely say you're a good player. Um, so I picked up the game, uh, in high school. So my high school just kind of randomly had a team. Um, and it, it's a spring sport, at least in Massachusetts, high school sport. Um, and so I played football in the fall, rugby in the spring, um, and kind of fell in love with the game there. I really liked, you know, coming from eight years of football where obviously it's very regimented, three hours of training every day, doing the same plays over and over. And then I was an offensive lineman, which obviously just adds kind of the, the boredom of all that. And then to say rugby, Hey, you get to run with the ball. I played eight in high school. And so uh, it was everything I wanted in a sport. Uh, my high school rugby coach uh, played for the Dartmouth women's team. Um, and so she uh, definitely. Was a high school rugby coach? Uh, Maureen McAleer, okay. who was a Dartmouth 99. Yeah. Um, and so she was pitching Dartmouth. Both my folks went to Dartmouth. Um, and so that was kind of a, an easy decision. And then obviously playing there under uh, Mags, learned quite a bit about how to be a, a more well-rounded rugby player. And again, just really enjoyed uh, the culture of the game more than anything. Um, obviously, making a lot of friends, torn around, fortunate enough to go with the All-Americans, which meant 
I got a bit of international flavor there as well. Um, and then after Dartmouth, I, got, I went to Cambridge University for a year. So I got a master's at Cambridge and played there, um, including in the varsity match, uh, which was you know wild and yet another door that was opened into the landscape of rugby that just made me fall in love with it more. Yeah, it's interesting. So I'm from just, I, I grew up just outside Cambridge. My dad was a professor there. So I've played at Grange Road a few times. And like you go into Grange Road and you see there these wooden like names of captains and it goes back to like the middle of the 19th century. And it kind of, and I, I think they also have a list of internationals, right? So is your name on that? Your, your name must be on that. Uh, I've not been back since, uh, since I would have been on that plaque, um, yeah. I, you know, probably, probably at some point, hopefully I'll be on there. Uh, but it's, uh, it, the history it, there is pretty, it's pretty cool. It, right. It, it put a lot of things in perspective when some of the guys that are coming out of there that, uh, you know, just on some random, uh, game that we were playing there, um, into the locker room came some fellow, they said was an old blue who wanted to say some words, said some things. Um, and then later, uh, someone said, oh, that was uh, Mike Gibson, uh, who, and I, I didn't know who that was. I looked him up afterwards. British Lion Center. Right. Oh, the greatest center of all time. Yeah, oh, kind of, yeah. That, that puts that in perspective. Right. <laughs> um, and so that, I think, again, that was wild. And then when I played in the varsity match, that was in front of uh, 25,000 people, which is uh, probably still tied for the largest crowd I've ever played in front of. And so that was right. just, you know, an unbelievable experience. Um, so, so, you know, you had a, um, a career highlight um, in, in, going to the, uh, um, in going to the World Cup, right? Um, and, and were you working while you were out there? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, so, so a very, so, so with the, was the conversation like this, I need to go to Japan for six weeks, and they're like, I have no problem, you can work from anywhere, you just have to get your work done? Uh, yeah, I mean, there was, <laughs> there was probably a little more head scratching initially on their side. Um, fortunately, every, every other thing that I've had for rugby, I've framed as a conversation, um, as in let's make this work for both of us, uh, with the world cup, I kind of just said, I'm doing this, uh, let's sort this out because I knew, you know, jobs will come and go, but there's, there's a real possibility that that's my, that's my world cup crack. And so I wasn't going to miss that. Um, and so I worked the whole time, which was obviously wild with the time difference, um, but managed managed to make it work enough that when I came back, I still had a job. Well, so that that's that's sort of like so rugby's probably just slowing down your career progression, right? They're like you, you wild, know wildly. Well, you yeah. Know. So you're just kind of holding on to the job as opposed to what's the next promotion. Um, uh, that's definitely it, a factor, uh, but at the same time, I'm very much uh, enjoying the ride of, of trying to maintain that. <laughs> So, so let's talk about this this coming season. You know, you've you've had this long off season, um, a lot of change at Rooney, as you said. Big focus on the full time players. Um, you know, probably you know, I think uh, um, you know, Greg and, and the staff are looking for like another step up as all the other teams step up in a super competitive uh, um, Eastern Conference. What are your personal goals? You know, how do you think about the season, and what are your personal goals when you go into the season? Yeah, I think if you look at the the two seasons that Rooney's been in existence, obviously we had a, a fantastic first season, uh, missing out on the final on a on a last second kick, um, and with the exception of a you know early stumbling block last season, we were we were looking to be on the right track again. I think Rooney has all the potential in the world. We have 
one of the strongest uh, homegrown bases of talent in the league. Um, and if you look at the successes across the league, um, it's us, uh, San Diego, Toronto, Seattle, that all have these super strong homegrown bases that allow them to really build their team on top of. And so I think, again, even though we are bringing in talent, I think especially with a year when there will undoubtedly be guys dropping off due to COVID issues, um, the teams that can pull in the local guys and pull in that local support to shore up their team and, on, and not miss too much of a step, I think are going to be the strongest here. And so I think New York has a, has a massive advantage in that respect. And so we're fully expecting to be competitive at the top of the table again, as we should be. And what about your personal goals? Like when you come into the season, how do you think about it, about like what you're trying to achieve? You know, you're a data guy, right? So, so are you looking at your data? Are you looking at other players' data? Like, like how, do you, uh, how do you set your standards and how do you work out if you're meeting them? Yeah, so I, um, Aaron and I were talking about this before, but, uh, you know, last season, if you look at the, the early season stats, uh, my, my work rate was um, at, at the top of the league. And that's kind of always what I've prided myself on. Um, not, you know, I've not scored a lot of tries, um, but, and I'm not, and I'm probably not making a lot of dominant tackles, but I'm making a lot of tackles and I'm hitting a lot of rucks. And so I think for me personally is maintaining that work rate while also um, ensuring that I'm doing it efficiently. Um, and so I would say that if I, if I have one bad tendency, it's that I try to over, try to overwork and try to do everything. And so making sure that I'm personally am fitting into the system and doing what I'm supposed to, and not just, you know, hitting every ruck for the sake of it, for the sake of padding my statistics. Um, but I would, I would say that overall, what I want to see is the Rooney team with a strong line out, strong driving mall that we've seen in past years. Um, and obviously I, I in the lineouts, I'll have a strong hand in that. Um, and then just kind of a, a workman attitude around, around the field, especially from our forwards. Uh, and I think that we've seen that that's a, a recipe for success in this league, that you can have all the flair you want, but uh, lineouts, malls, and scrums win games. And so building on that foundation, I think, is, is where we want to be. So, so your goal, like I, just to, you know, because um, stats are, are important. Now, I have to say that your stats are off the charts. Like people want to understand that you're like, you know, hands down. I mean, you know, when you sit, when you hit sixty rucks in a game, Nate, as a coach, I am wondering how many of them you're actually having an impact. But like you said, it, it's it's within the system. Um, but it sounds like to me the real stat that you want is Dylan Fawcett being the highest try scorer in the league because that means that your driving more was working well right so it's sort of like for every try that dylan scores that's like that's like a pat on the back for the line out and the line out drive yeah the more insufferable that butch is the better rooney is doing at the mall um well you, you know has 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 greg williams i know greg's a bit of a data nerd he loves his data. Has he sat down with you and asked you to like look at some algorithms, analyze some of the data? Oh, you're nodding your head like he has. So tell us, tell us what's the craziest thing Greg has asked you to do. Well, this is uh, so actually this is more self-driven, and I'm going to fully open open the book into my nerddom here. So when uh, Rooney was canceled or when MLR was canceled last year, uh, they were looking for ways to keep the guys kind of in touch and involved, um, especially when we weren't sure if the season was going to restart, but. Uh, one, one of the forms that took was me teaching uh, a programming class to some of the guys on the team, um, which then turned into us running analyses on uh, all of the game film that we've had so far um, and trying to break out metrics from all of that. 
that was it may or may not be of value, but we definitely got some, uh, you know, some more bizarre derived metrics that we were presenting <laughs> to Greg, who was, of course, eating it up with a spoon and whether or not it is defensible or usable, who knows, but Greg loved it. That's that's awesome. That's awesome. Look, I, I appreciate the time. I just have a couple more questions. We ask this for all of the uh, players that come on. So, um, you know, who's the toughest player you've played against and and who's the team that you're really looking forward to playing this year? Uh, so toughest player I've played in the league uh, was Patty Ryan on the, uh, the Legion. Um, I've just never seen anyone bully people on the rugby field the way that he did when he was playing. Um, just miserable to play against. Uh, and then probably, probably in the same breath, the team I'm most looking forward to playing is the Legion. Um, we got some unfinished business with them for sure. And so going back two years, <laughs> I mean, going back a, lot of, a lot of years, we, you know, our last game of the season was losing to them and then going back two years to the, that semifinal, um, bounce I, of the ball, bounce of the bounce ball, of the ball was exactly yeah. right. And so very much, uh, looking forward to playing them whenever we get that chance. Well, Nate, we appreciate your time. Um, obviously, you, uh, um, you, you're, in, you're enjoying your not busy time because you have lots of time. But I guess in a couple of weeks, your day is going to be filled and they're going to be very long. Um, we, wish, we wish you luck in the season, putting, you know, making sure you keep your weight on as you go through the season and keeping um, you know, uh, Greg, uh, sitting, sitting with Greg on flights and talking about data and keeping him happy. So good luck and thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. There you go. Hey, was that was that difficult for you to kind so, of keep so that first professional? Of all, first of all, great COVID hair, and and you know it, you know you can get a little data nerdy, right, with Nate, and it's the data that he has. I mean, this is a guy that you know blows everyone out of the water in terms of his involvements. You know, we heard him talk a little bit about maybe he's too involved, but you know, you look at his numbers, and he can have forty-five ruck entries, and he can have. 15, 20 tackles. I mean, you're just looking at it and you're like, it, it's almost, um, you know, uh, otherworldly. It's almost like, like people just don't have those stats. Um, and, and, you know, his, his engine is just, is just huge. And now he has beautiful flowing locks. So bit of a man. Crush. Yeah. bit of a man. Crush. That's all right. Welcome. Welcome to the team. <laughs> hey, remember the game we did when they played Houston in the short season, he had 60 plus uh, rucks. He yeah. Had over 60 rucks. And we were just like, that can't be right. And you go back and watch the film and he was literally. Well, I mean, you know, so yeah, when, when we do our broadcast, um, you know, we, uh, uh, you know, you get to the last 10 minutes of the game and the producers in your ear and they're saying, who do you think the, um, you know, man of the matches. And if, and if you, if you're doing a Rooney game and no one really stands out, you can literally just say Nate Brakely because you know, when the stats come out the next day, you're going to be justified because his stats are so consistently high that you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a really smart player. You know, I'm a really smart coach. I could see Nate. Bre no, you just know that that's how he plays. And if no one else stands out, you'll be justified by the stats once they get published. Yeah, he's always up the top, isn't he? Tackles made, rucks hit, line outs, you know, carries. He's the best. All right. That's some good stuff. I'm looking forward to that round one clash. What are your thoughts on that one? Now, it's, it, it's interesting because we have another element in these games, Pete. Normally, it's tough to pick as it is round one, but now you have, you know, the COVID element and there are restrictions locally that are going to affect teams more than others. So how do you see this one playing out? Yeah, I mean, I think Atlanta probably have a bit of the prep advantage, right? They've been working throughout the offseason. They have their 404 team. 
They've got some guys that have played for life. So, so they'll have some guys that have actually played some rugby this fall. And I think that the coaches have been coaching. So I think they're going to have a bit of uh, um, a prep advantage, but you know, New York probably has a bit of an MLR experience advantage. Like they've got guys like Dylan Fawcett, the butcher, um, you know, they've got guys that have been around MLR, like, like you know, Nate Brakely. Um, I think it's going to be a great matchup. I think, you know, like most games in MLR, it's going to be determined by the set piece. Uh, you know, it sounds like there's been some upgrades on both sides in that. So, you know, who, which, which, you know, whichever scrum comes out on top, you know, you just want to make sure that you can win your own ball. But if either team gets a little bit of dominance in the scrum, I think you'll see in that in the first couple of weeks, Dan, I think we're going to see a lot of scrums, maybe, you know, 20, 25 scrums in a game because as teams are just getting back into it, you're going to see some handling errors. So I think that the scrum is going to be really important. I mean, I, I would guess that my money's probably on Atlanta, but I think that, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to know. I think the set piece of Rooney is going to be critical. And if they get that right, I think they can walk away with the win as well. Yeah, I know that they've always been strong in the lineup, especially with that mall. Adding Nick Savetta into that as well gives them a genuine yep. like target of the lineout. So I'm looking forward to Johan Momsen versus Nick Savetta round one, just yeah. in that lineout because both quality packs. It's hard to really split them, and those two are really quality locks. So watching those two kind of go head to head in the lineouts is going to be a, a bit of a treat outside the actual game. And and, and the other thing, you know, and I think um, uh, uh, Greg McWilliams mentioned this. Both of these teams like to play with the ball in hand, right? So they're both going to try and move it. They're both going to play with pace. It's going to be hard to. That's why I feel like the scrum is going to be critical. They'll be to play. There'll be a lot of transition, right? A lot of transition ball, ball drop, stuff like that. And, and you know, Scott Lawrence talked about that. So I think that there's, you know, it's I, it's I, it's definitely a very interesting round one matchup. And um, but you know, I I feel pretty strongly going into this season that we probably can't make any judgments about any teams until maybe week four. I think yeah, I agree. Play, the, the way teams come in, just like you said, different cities, different states have different rules. There's different restrictions. I think, you know, we're going to need to get some games to see where some teams are. So we might see unusually in round one of MLR some blowouts. I, I don't think it's going to happen in this game. But we might see that just because people's development curves are going to be different based on the preparation time they've been allowed. Yeah, I'll even expand on that further. I think we're going to see teams who are outside looking in early in the season who are going to come home strong as they get conditioned. I think you could see a few teams that start well that fade off as well. So, but just adds to the theater, right? The drama of like watching the season unfold. All right, Pete, let's jump into around the grounds, big news coming out of Austin. Obviously uh, I know you're a massive social media guy. You're on Instaface, you're on uh, linked book, all of them. You love them all. All of them. The coaching staff is in Austin. Not only that, they announced a deal with a free-to-air, uh, I believe it's an NBC affiliate, which is KXAN, uh, KVBO. Everyone knows that in Austin. I mean, come on now, everyone. KXAN, that's where I get all my news when I'm in Austin. So big news there, all their games, not just home, but away games. Right. We broadcast there. So Austin fans, that's a real treat to have those games available free-to-air. Yeah, and, and as much as we um, talk about how important um, – you know, the digital platforms are. No one's going to accidentally come across like and subscribe to some sort of digital platform to watch rugby. But if we can get rugby into local um, uh, TV affiliates that people can find it, then I think that's a big way of growing the game. I think 
San Diego have, have like committed to that since year one. And I think mm-hmm. you've seen it in their ability to be able to grow their fan base. I think, uh, um, you know, committing to that, I think it's going to be really critical for all the MLR teams. It takes a little bit of extra work for those teams. Not every team is really able to do it. But I think, you know, we already saw what a difference Austin's going to make on the marketing side. They're going to come out very, very strong in terms of building their brand. And this is just one of the steps towards it. Absolutely. Other news uh, this time coming out of Utah, Chris Latham. He resigns as Warriors head coach. Now, I don't have the entire story on this, but what I've been led to believe is this was a mutual decision. Uh, There were some hesitations from Chris's side about coming back under the current landscape. Uh, There were some business opportunities that presented themselves in Australia uh, that he wanted to pursue, and it was an amicable mutual agreement. But it also now, Pete, opens the door for a guy like Sean Pittman to get an opportunity that was maybe a few years down the road. He gets it immediately and he gets the reins in a season that most people will probably view as a, I won't say it's a wash, but it would be difficult to judge someone based on a difficult season. Yeah, he always um, gets a mulligan, right? It's like... Yeah, those, great. That's uh, better terminology. Yeah, a mulligan. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. Well, Thanks, Pete. Know, like, well, as, as the guy that golfs every week on the show, I don't golf. So cold much. now, I don't do it. It's so cold out there, I don't go out there. Um, so, you know, I think, I think what's interesting about Chris Latham, and I think we might actually see this with some players, you know, you've got some countries like Australia, like New Zealand, that are handling the, the COVID pandemic really well. Like, they've got basically normal lives. Like, things are, you know, are just pretty normal. And it would be tough with family and things like that, maybe to come to, to the States at this time. So we might see a couple of others, but, but not, um, you know, I think like, like you said, very amicable, amicable. And, and I think, nice. you know, Sean's, you know, Sean's a pretty, um, uh, you know, is that a pretty meteoric rise, right. In, in terms of his coaching, but has worked under some great coaches went to the World Cup. It's definitely a big step up, but he's got Brandon Sparks. I've got a lot of time for Brandon. I think Brandon's um, in, in his own right, a very good coach. I was actually, when I heard the news, I, wa- I actually thought that Brandon might be the guy that would step up into the head coaching role. But from what I understand, Brandon likes likes being sort of the, the director of operations. But as a mentor, I think Brandon's going to be great for Sean. And I think there's going to be a, a lot of opportunity for Sean to grow in that role. Yeah, good good opportunity for Sean Davies as well to now take more ownership right. and leadership in that in that organization. Right. So all the Sean's getting wins over there. Let's move up to the northeast. The Free Jacks uh, announced their International Development Academies and the Newman School Partnership uh, to launch an under 18s residency academy. I love this. Listen, these guys, these guys are knocking it out of the ballpark in terms of like developing pathways up in the northeast. I yeah, mean, I, phenomenal Tom Kindly, Ollie Engelhard, you know, those guys are in the trenches doing a lot of the work and it's under the leadership of, of Mags and Eric Anderson. So, but TK and Ollie just absolutely crushing it up there. Like yeah, doing right. such, such great things. So how do you, how do you not want to be a free Jacks fan with those well, guys? I, I, mean, I mean, I think that, you know, I think you and I, Dan, are, are, are American rugby fans, right? Well, I mean, okay, let's, let's be honest. You're a Gil, you're the original Gil Groniat, so you have a team. I I just want rugby to be the winner. So you know, I think when I see things like this from the Free Jacks, I just think that it's just you know, it's the stuff that's happening outside of the of the professional games that we watch on TV 
that is giving more and more people the experience and opportunity to participate in high level rugby. And, you know, I know what the game's done for me. I know what the game's done for you. The more people that get the chance to kind of leverage rugby as part of their growth and development and experience in their life, I just think that's good. And I think the Free Jacks are doing that, you know, more than anyone else. Now, to be fair to the Free Jacks, um, you know, they've, they've got, you know, particular skill set in Alex Magleby who understands the American game, kind of ran to, you know, the high performance development for um, USA Rugby. And they also have in the Northeast, a very, very strong, rugby community that they're doing a great job of embracing so they're, they're strategically thinking about that like when we've talked to them they're thinking about 10-year time horizons they're you know they're thinking about you know 10 years from now the guy that is starting for the free jacks is 14 mm-hmm. right how do we get that guy to be able to, to play and i think that's how you have to think so you know they're definitely setting the standard i think in mlr in terms of you know some of this development stuff and, and building those pathways yeah, and we gave, we gave obviously that rivalry with New York some credit on the New York side of things, but let's not forget how great a sports town Boston is. I mean, uh, there's, there's a bunch of graphics out there you can look at that if you're a kid born in the year 2000, you've never had a year where a Boston team hasn't won a national championship in some form, shape or form, whether it be the Patriots, the Red Sox, the Bruins, the Celtics. So, I mean, and, and the Free Jacks are looking to carve out their niche in that great sports marker as well on the right path so good people doing good things up there great to see all right mate let's jump into some signings well unfortunately this one for dallas but won't be playing in 2021 but a great story i just wanted to mention was calvin gentry he comes from the uh the memphis inner city program there headed up um by ryan young um shane young sorry ryan young's his brother too many youngs down there in Naples. I actually hung out with both of the guys down there in Naples. So Shano, I apologize, but we had JBL on. He's also involved. John Bradshaw Layfield is involved with that program as well. So Calvin Gentry is one of the graduates from that program. So great, great story. A chance to get drafted. When undrafted, Dallas picked him up. So I'm really hopeful Calvin gets a shot somewhere because he's a, another great story. So but let's go over to Houston for some signings. Paula Balacana, he signs with Houston, as does Nick Hildebrand. So building up that front row with Hildebrand there. New York, we talked to Greg McWilliams about uh, uh, Benjamin Bonasso, Andy Ellis, Nick Savetta, we mentioned him. But Dan Hollinshead is an interesting one with Cahill Marsh not returning. Harry Benner on the roster at 10, but Hollinshead there will compete with Bennett for that fly half jersey, Pete. So some good signings there. Probably Andy Ellis has got to be the one that jumps out for you. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it is. And I have a um I have an, an Andy Ellis story. I know how you enjoy my my, my random stories, but I was uh, um uh back, you know, what, fifteen years ago. I, I spent a couple of weeks at, at the at Canterbury, um the uh, um NPC team, and Andy Ellis had just returned from um England having played cricket. He was also a very good cricketer and um, was basically just making the squad for Canterbury. And I, you know, I, I, I had a, um, Ozzy McLean was down there and Rob Penny were down there, great um, open coaches that we got to spend time with, with pretty much everywhere except the, the, the locker room. And it was actually noticeable. Andy Ellis was the last guy to leave the, the, the you know, he was a young guy, like maybe 20, 19 or 20. Um, and he was like the last guy to leave. Uh, I, I actually kicked like court balls for him, you know, caught his passes. Um, caught his his box kicks and, and there he was a guy trying to 
but make the Canterbury MPC squad, but you sort the work ethic. And, you know, we've heard already from Greg Williams that they see this as a really long-term development play for some of the younger nines, not just in um, the Major League Rugby squad, but in the area. So so that's a, a big pickup. But I think, you know, Nick Nick Savetta is, is also a really big pickup. Partner with Nate Brately, like they already had a good line out. Now they've got two international locks that are line out kings. Um, I think that's going to be important. So lots of good pickups for New York. Yep. Down the, the road to NOLA, Pat O'Toole, a uh, name that most people are familiar with from his time at Houston. He jumps across there to NOLA, uh, again, shoring up that front row for Ryan Fitzgerald and Nate Osborne down there. San Diego pick up Michael Smith, uh, University of British Columbia grad, and Travis Larson. So we know Josh Larson is up in uh, New England with the Free Jacks. So Travis Larson now going down to San Diego. So Snow and Sand, the Larson brothers, getting That's into right. That's trade right. stories there. Yeah, can't, can't wait for those guys to match up. Yeah, Seattle pick up uh, Dev Ferris, who was in San Diego, and JP Aguero, who was at Rooney. Uh, JP Aguero, great story. Lindenwood grad, Argentinian, though now applying his trade up here. So that's a, that's a really good pickup. I, I think, yeah, I think JP's a great player. I, you know, we've seen him in glimpses, but this is a guy that I think, you know, um, with with some good mentorship in Seattle, I think could be a real impact player for them. I think that's a great pickup for them. Yeah, I agree. I think it, he's got an opportunity to make the twelve jersey his right. own up there too, which is big. I mean, you've you've seen it as a coach. You give give the player the confidence of saying, "Hey, this is your jersey. Go out there." You know, sometimes they really respond. Others like the challenge of being tested and having someone behind them. Other players, it's like, hey, this is yours. Yep. Don't feel any pressure. I'm not going to replace you. I'm not going to hook you. You go get it. And so I, I think having that kind of freedom to have that jersey and express himself up there, he's going to be a really, really big pickup. I think him and Aaron Matthews in that back line uh, are going to be pretty exciting for Seattle fans. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, and two dynamic runners, right? We saw Aaron Matthews in Bermuda what an impact he has. Definitely a great athlete. I think, um, I think JP's a, um, a bit of a better rugby player. And I think that like some of that Argentinian smart heads up rugby stuff is going to be good. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see how he does in Seattle. Absolutely. Utah, Cliven Loebscher. He's uh, another ad down there. You just wonder how many of those guys signed with Chris Latham as the head coach. I don't think it's going to change much in Utah though, but uh, I don't think so. I'm excited for Utah. I got to tell you, Pete. I'm excited for Utah. Okay, so, so I, I'm excited for Utah, but like, you know, Utah. Can we just be consistent? Like, consistently good or consistent? Good. Yes. Not good? But no, like, just be good. Like, yeah. So, so if you remember, Utah. You know, through the last three years, through, through the first three years of the league, Utah has played some of the best rugby. Like in moments, they've looked like MLR champs. And then the next week, they'll be terrible. And, and, and you know, as, as guys that have to pick the, 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 the games each week, we would just like to have some consistency. So I think, I think that's the challenge for the Shawns in Utah is that they've got talent. They've got really good talent there. The question is, how do they make that talent into a real consistent performer? And I think that's the challenge that Utah will have in 2021. Come on, Sean's. Sounds like a boy band. The Sean's. I love it. All right, extensions. Taylor Howden, the ages. Taylor Howden. He extends in Houston. Pete, you love Taylor. I do. I think I look, I, I love I love watching him play. Um, you know, he's a he's such a smart rugby player. He can play multiple positions. I think that um, you know, it's it's 
we always make fun of him whenever he makes a break, Dan, and you're calling the game. You always talk about like how fast he is for an old guy, but but he makes breaks, right? He reads the game well. He's a good defender. Um, you know, I think it's a smart it's a smart pickup. I mean, I think we're going to see Taylor Howden on the sideline coaching, and you know, I think it, you know he having a bit of a coaching role for him at Houston. I think it's good. I'm just jealous he's still out there. How good was that that try scored in New York when he busted through from 20 out? Yeah. Looked like he was in slow motion. I'm like, what's he doing? Run faster. They're mowing him down, but he got there. The old legs have still got something left in him, so he extends. Taylor Crumry, big back row lock forward up there. He extends in Seattle, as does Kellen Gordon, and their skipper up there in Ricard Harting. Old Glory, Danny Tussitala, we, we kind of knew that, speaking to Andrew Douglas, that he was coming back. It is now made official for Old Glory. And, um, you know, I spoke to, obviously, DVS from Rugby ATL, but still, I feel like Tussitala, he's the king of the nines in MLR. Uh, That's his crown. Yeah, I I love watching Danny play. I think that, um, you know, Danny and Jason in in, in Old Glory is, is really going to be the, um, the halfback pairing. Uh, you know, I think it's it's interesting because New York, new nine, right? New ten. We're interested to see how how quickly they can they can come in. We know we know ten's important. We know nine's important. But I think I think the way Danny's able to control the um, pace of a game is 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 pretty unusual. Um, I'm sure, and you know, Andy Ellis can do that too, right? And I think that um, you know you'll see you'll, you'll see their ability to be able to up the pace when they need to, slow it down when they need to, but um, you know, Danny's Danny's a, a big sign. You know, Ricard Hatting for Seattle, I think he's sort of like the heartbeat, right? I mean, I think Luke, like he's someone that 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 you have to re-sign. Um, you know, a real, real talented player, but a guy that you know can really lift a team on his own play. So big, big re-signing there for Seattle, but not not a surprise. Not at all. Anything else, Pete? Final thoughts from the professor. Oh, final thoughts, final thoughts. Well, you know, I, I, I actually, you know, we were talking about, um, you know, I think Greg um, was talking about how it's great to see because it means the season's coming up. The season's coming up so quickly that I suddenly realized that, you know, I'm actually busy the first weekend of the season. I won't be at a corny games. I was like, no, hold on. Like, broke my heart today. I know, I know. I was like, but, but I hadn't even connected that that would like, it's just one of those things where I just didn't connect what was happening on those two weekends? Because in my mind, I still feel like the season's six months away. But I mean, it's two months. So two months. Teams getting into um, camp, you know, um, in the next couple of weeks, and uh, and then we'll be off and running. So it's it, we're getting there. We're getting close. Rest the vocal cords, buddy. Lemon tea. Keep them. Keep them lubricated. Keep them loose. It's going to be a long season for you. Well, all I'm, right. I'm excited for it, but before we before we sign off, Dan, let's make sure we get the the call out to everyone. So please, um, you know, subscribe to MLR Kickoff so you can get the latest news. We're going every two weeks, and once we get into the season, we'll be going weekly. Um, so please subscribe, leave a review that helps other people find us as we get into the season. Um, I, I, I always say, and if you leave a review, we'll read it out. And then I get to this point, I'm always like, Dan, I didn't check to see if we had any reviews. Not my job, it's Aaron's job. Aaron's so, job. But, but, but once we make sure that we get a, a group of reviews, um, we'll make sure we read them out and, and give all of our listeners a, a shout out. Tell us on the review who our next man crush should be. 
in MLR. Oh. There you go. That's that's the trick. And we, we'll deep dive into man crushes next time around. <laughs> All right, Pete. Man crushes. Always a pleasure. Never a chore, my friend. For Pete Steinberg, Aaron Castro, I'm Dan Power. This has been the MLR Kickoff. Episode 76 of MLR Kickoff was brought to you by shopmlr.com, powered by the rugby shop.